Hi everybody. Hey. Welcome back. I'm Larry. I'm Emily. And this is Planning God. Um, we have been going through the Gospel of John. This is our 2023 Christmas reading challenge. Read a chapter a day, Monday through Friday. You'll finish by Christmas. Yep. So where are we at today? So today we are on John chapter 3. Three days in. Hopefully you're sticking strong with it so far. It's only been three days. Yeah, three days. And chapter two was pretty short. It was. <laughs> so, uh, um, chapter three, however, is a little bit longer. Not not terribly longer. But. No, but it's an easy read. So, without further ado, we're going to share our thoughts on John chapter three. So John chapter 3, um, we see here at the beginning that um, Nicodemus, who is a leader, a religious leader, yep. um, sneaks away at night to go talk to Jesus because obviously they don't like Jesus right now. No, well, they're still out. It's still out for the taking who Jesus is. Like there's a, going to be a lot more contention between Jesus and the Pharisees, um, but he's not off to a good foot. With, uh, with the last chapter, right? Chapter 2, where he... No, and the only reason he would come at the middle of the night, though, is to keep it a secret or to right. be somewhat hidden. To keep it hidden. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so interesting. He's, he is a Pharisee. He's a member of the ruling council. And he goes to Jesus at night. And what kind of stuck struck out to me, stuck out to me about this, is that uh, why would he come at night? Um, you got to think, if, if Jesus is making these messianic claims, as a Pharisee, he's not allowed yet, if they're doing the first phase of their investigation of Jesus, he wouldn't be allowed to ask questions. So, as far as coming as a council, right, the Jews right. coming together. So, Nicodemus coming by himself at night, this is allowing him to ask questions. He's already starting to get convinced of who Jesus is. Yeah, I think this was a more personal encounter. Than, separate right, from... Separate from the official investigation. So this is like before that phase two when the Pharisees ask questions and kind of like more of a personal conversation. Yeah, I see that too. And I think um, we see again, even in this conversation, kind of going with chapter two a little bit, but like the aspect of focusing on um, our physical bodies, yeah. where Jesus is talking spiritual and we, you know, as people, Nicodemus, yeah, Nicodemus person, always brings it back to the physical. To the physical, yeah. Um, and we've already seen that in chapter two, and I think we're going to see that a little bit more throughout. Oh yeah, definitely. Some of the coming chapters as yeah. well. That was one of the things I noted was that he, again, we're we're fighting this physical spiritual aspect of the conversation. Yeah, you you really see that with how Nicodemus talks. Mm -hmm. Like, how can one go? Can I enter my mother's womb and be born again? Right, which he knows is not possible. Right. Like, how does this happen? How am I born again? And then what Jesus is ultimately referring to when he makes these statements is something like Ezekiel 36. This really reminded me reading through this of Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, which reads, I will sprinkle with you with pure water, and you will be clean from your impurities. I will purify you from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will take the initiative and you will obey my statutes and carefully observe my regulations. 
All right, God has always wanted that inward change. It's not about the outward, do these things. Inwardly change your heart and then follow God. Yeah, it's always about the heart, right? You can follow the rules and, you know, check all the yep. marks and dot all the T's, whatever, dot the I's and cross the T's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that is not what it's about. No, it's about the inward. And that's what Jesus is really trying to get Nicodemus to focus on in this passage change your heart and then we can talk about changing the physical yeah um i think interesting too here uh verse 10 he's saying um jesus answered and said to him are you the teacher of israel and do not know these things and i'm sorry it's actually verse 11 most assuredly i say to you we speak that we know these things or we know and testify that we have seen, and you do not receive our witness, right? What is he saying there? He's actually bringing in the Trinity, which I find fascinating, right? We speak. It's not just Jesus. He's talking about God. He's talking about the Spirit. It is the Trinity. Well, it is, I mean, one of the key themes of John is the fact that Jesus is God. So when Jesus speaks, God speaks. When Jesus uses words, it is God's words. And the fact that Nicodemus is, and the, the Israelites are rejecting Jesus' words, they're therefore rejecting God. Right, and I think he's trying to get Nicodemus to understand that too. Definitely, for sure. you have anything else throughout up till 18? Um, I do. We see uh, one of the big things that I wanted to point out was in verses 16 through 18 that we get what is necessary for eternal life, right? John 3.16 is like the verse, right? Everyone knows it. And we all think often that Jesus says this in some big teaching. He doesn't. He says it between him and Nicodemus. Maybe his disciples are there, right? Because John's recording this. This is a personal interaction when John brings up or when Jesus brings up, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like, he's like, Nicodemus, you're the one that needs to hear this. Right. It's very personal. And and that really brings into <laughs> what gives us eternal life is that personal relationship with God. It's not about some grand thing that is done. It's personal, one-on-one level. That's really interesting to see and and another thing that i thought was really interesting is how jesus uses the words for god so loved he gives that in the past tense right god has loved the world from all of creation and he has always desired to redeem mankind and so he's he's speaking in the past tense and he's bringing it to the fact that it is by faith that we receive eternal life Go down to just at 18, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, which says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Um, And that reminded me of Romans 8.1, right? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so it it plays well with this, right? He's telling Nicodemus, 
how to follow Christ right. or himself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can also see this in Romans 8, 1. I mean, and I'm sure it's more throughout scripture too, but that was like the verse that I thought Still of. Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really find it cool how in this conversation with Nicodemus, you really, we also see that sub theme of the light versus the darkness making its appearance again. Specifically in 19 through 21, and throughout the whole conversation, you have the fact that Nicodemus comes at night, and then Jesus is going to use that. You're here at night, but the light is going to shine on the darkness and reveal what is in the darkness. Right? Jesus is teaching that the Lord has overcome the darkness, and that he will shine through it, and that our deeds that are done in the darkness will be revealed in the light, uh, because Jesus is the light of the world. And through his light, we have forgiveness of sins. Yeah, well, I thought that was really cool, too. And I went back to chapter 1, verse 4, right? Mm-hmm. Where, and I just thought, well, that, this is why it says it there, right? Because it did not comprehend the light because of, then, because of this verse. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of explaining um, why, it, why the darkness could not comprehend the light. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. That was interesting. Then we press on. Yeah, we uh, wrap up the chapter 22 through 36 with another testimony from John the Baptist. Um, again, it's really nifty because when people see John the Baptist, they think that, oh, he maybe this one was the Messiah, but he always points, no, it's not me. Yeah, because again, in this particular area, they're saying, you know, some of his disciples were upset. Some of John the Baptist's disciples were upset. And they're like, well, all of these people are going and getting baptized by Jesus, not Jesus himself, because it clarifies that later that it was his disciples. But everyone's flocking to the Jesus camp and not the John camp. Right. And so they were concerned. Well, what's so great about John in this, too, is that he's so humble. Yeah. You know, he's like, guys, I mean, okay, paraphrased. Emily paraphrased. <laughs> like, guys, it's not about me. Yeah. Like, it's not about us. It's not about you. Because why are they upset? Yeah. They're upset because, mm-hmm. you know, their group is getting smaller and smaller. Right. You and know? John's like, no, it needs to. That's a pride thing. It is a pride thing on their on their behalf. And John is showing the proper reaction to it. Right. And I love how he even brings in the wedding as an example because you see throughout scripture weddings are used as examples he's like no the bridegroom is here my job is to lift up the bridegroom and to fade away into the back right because he's the one that's important not me yeah yeah it was a really um interesting tie back into john you know yeah john the baptist john the baptist (laughs) yeah yeah, and then John makes some very interesting remarks t- as he ends the chapter. He says that Jesus is above all and is all, um, right? He's telling his listeners that Jesus is much more than man. He is God in the flesh. Um, John speaks about how Jesus was sent by the Father and speaks the words of the Father, right? He's, when Jesus speaks, God speaks. And how Jesus has authority over, over all things because the Father has given him authority. And lastly, John reminds us of the gospel, which is the key to this chapter, right? Verse 36, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. John's life, his words, his actions, 
all point to glory and honor going to Jesus Christ. What's cool about John too is that um, he is speaking of spiritual things. Right? Yeah. You have Jesus speaking of spiritual things and John is also speaking of spiritual things mm -hmm. and all these people interacting with them are thinking of the physical. Yeah, they are. How come our camp is growing small, John? What are we doing? We need to like maybe bust out the praise band. Everyone's leaving, right? Yeah. Well, and yeah, like arguing and disputing over things right. like that. And John's is. like, no, this needs to happen, guys. Cut yeah. it out. We need to point our lives need to point to Jesus Christ. Yep. So that was um, a pretty good chapter. It is. And it's, it's a strong reminder here that John gives us at verse 36 that it is by faith in the Son of God that we have eternal life. The alternate, if you don't have faith in the Son of God, you are condemned. The wrath of God remains on you. So it is our hope and prayer that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ now. Yeah, and partake in the promises of everlasting life with Jesus forever. Amen to that. Yep. Cool. So, all right. So that wraps up chapter three. And it does. We'll see you tomorrow for chapter four. All right. See ya. Bye.